This episode is presented by Fleet Feet. A lot of folks in this country, especially, uh, you know, my parents' generation and the generation before, did a lot of work to get off the land, right? And there's a lot of pain about thinking about what farming was and slave-based economy in the United States was. I think there's a lot of that. I, I don't want to do that. Um, but I think now more and more uh, younger people are realizing that this, there are some great advantages to that, right? To be able to to have a job where you're connected to nature, connected to the land, you're a producer, right? Really the ultimate producer. My name is Allison Mariella Desir, and this is Out and Back, a podcast exploring how black, indigenous, and other people of color are reclaiming space in the outdoors. Each episode, you'll hear their stories and we'll get outside with them in their element. This episode, that element is not mine, as I'll be farming. We're headed to the Yesler Terrace neighborhood of Seattle. Between a construction site and the freeway, the Black Farmers Collective runs Yes Farm and works to change Black people's relationship with land and farming. One obvious and ominous image of Black people farming is from hundreds of years of American chattel slavery. Yet beyond these memories of exploitation, Black Farmers Collective sees an opportunity for self-determination. Growing food is hard work, but it is a skill and a rare opportunity to know exactly where your food comes from. Their vision is Black liberation. I talked with both director Ray Williams and farm manager Hannah Wilson. If you want to see Yes Farm or my conversations with Hannah and Ray, check out our video series. There's a link to it in the show notes, or you can find it at crosscut.com slash video. First, I talked with Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Hey. <laughs> so great to have you here. Thank you for having me. I would love to start by having you tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, where we are today. Thank you. Um, so my name is Hannah Wilson. I use they and them pronouns and I'm the farm manager at Yes Farm where I've been working for the last two and a half years now. So it's my third season. Mm. Um, and I was born and raised in California and moved out here, uh, oh my gosh, like eight years ago now mm. to go to school at the University of Washington. Okay. And while I was there, I was studying environmental science and minored in geography as well. So mm. I was getting very interested in environmental justice while I was there. Um, and then after I graduated, I got into farming. How does one just get into farming? <laughs> yeah, for me, it was an accident for sure. The work that I was doing in the environmental field was pretty white, it was very based on sort of a narrow view of how we can take care of the land and take care of people. Mm. And I didn't necessarily feel safe or as my full self in all of those spaces and mm. didn't see leaders that looked like myself mm. in the environmental work that I was doing. I kind of pivoted away from the more traditional environmental work and started doing more restoration that was based in doing like environmental education and like volunteer work. And then I, you know, ended up being in a position where one of our partners was Yes Farm and mm. I was helping them do some restoration work. And then the pandemic hit and there mm. was not really a role for me to play because my whole job was to just like 
gather people in a group mm. and get them together. So I just really took that opportunity to like deep dive into farming. And I found that that's where, you know, I could do environmental work. I could work with people who looked like me, build community and also like steward land at the same time. So. You mentioned environmental justice. Can you break down for me, like what, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, so environmental justice is a movement around making sure that black and brown people have access to clean air, clean mm. water, green spaces, healthy food, mm. based out of the knowledge that mostly black and brown people are likely to be in places that are more polluted mm. or are maybe what we might traditionally call food deserts mm -hmm. or places impacted by food apartheid and also acknowledging too like the people who have the decision making power around right. the way that our land is stewarded and the way that our environment is taken care of is not usually black and brown people mm. and it's not based in the ancestral ways that we have been stewarding this land it's more based in white supremacist mm. practices and like colonization for thank you for that for for me it was eye-opening when i first learned that concept and looked around and thought okay i'm living in the bronx um there's noise everywhere there's trucks there's we live by the projects the streets are not well kept there's garbage everywhere and then there's police cameras everywhere and you start to think well people don't live like this on park avenue right yeah. and this is not an accident that black and brown people are in these spaces um, so it's really powerful that this is the kind of work that you do. What, what do you see as, you know, the role of Yes Farm in all of this? Yeah, I think Yes Farm is so many like parts of environmental justice work. On a basic level, it's about growing food and stewarding the land in a way that is sustainable and mindful of the impacts that we're facing due to climate change and then also due to being in the middle of the city. So mm. we're right next to a highway. We're just so wild. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw it, I couldn't, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, we're next to a major highway. We're next to several major construction sites. Mm -hmm. And we're also next to like giant hospitals and some encampments and downtown, just so many different impacts that we um, can be like, kind of harmed by in many ways. So mm. like with the freeway, the pollution is a big mm. deal. Being next to the city uh, streets, like we may be dealing with a lot of stormwater runoff mm. as we live in a super rainy city. Um, and then the noise impact too, mm. that you're talking about next to the construction sites is a big deal as well. Mm. So um, at Yes Farm, we're really seeing the ways that we can steward land and create sort of a sacred space for black and brown leaders mm. to take up space and steward the land that, you know, in the way that our ancestors have wanted us to and knew how to do, and also make sure that we're feeding our communities, educating our community on how to do all of these things so that we can do it for ourselves and not have to rely on any type of institution to do it for us. Mm. Um, so I see it as a way for us to practice self-determination and mm. to build towards food sovereignty and black liberation. And in terms of environmental justice, thinking about the ways that we can, you know, teach our communities to test their soil and make sure there's mm. not toxins in it. Mm. Um, and then also thinking about uh, how we can make this work that has, you know, for 
a lot of black and brown people has like a very painful history mm. have a more healing holistic aspect to it has been another very important part of the work as well and a lot of that is based in building community and not doing any of it alone um, mm. the way that capitalism would want us to do it right in my mind, I'm like, it's it's just farming, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but I'm a big runner, I love movement, and I understand how powerful movement is. And so it's, it's been such a cool shift of perspective for me to understand how, how powerful this practice can be, how community-driven it can be. And I've also heard you speak about the impact that farming has had on you, how it allows you to show up as your full authentic self. Could you share what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when I started working at Yes Farm and farming, I was given a lot of trust in terms of helping build the farm out and start to build relationships and someone who's a transplant as well, mm. making sure that I'm building community here in Seattle, especially within the black community was very healing. And then mm. also being in connection with the land itself and learning how to feed myself and give myself energy and mm. like nourishment and also trust in my own leadership and skills mm. and knowledge was um, you know how I learned how to step into my full self mm. and so that's been really powerful and as someone who really like brings their full identity into the space like I really try and lead with you know like I'm a mixed person I'm black I'm queer I'm deaf I'm disabled like how can we all like collectively work together to make sure that this space is safe mm. for folks carrying many different identities and and that's been really powerful and like honestly just trying to honor like everyone's truth and where they're at mm. and allowing them to show up in whatever way that they can mm. has been healing for me because then that's what I allow myself to do in the process too. You make me want to farm. <laughs> I hope so. It's working. You make me want to get out there and feel everything that you're saying and experience this. I have to say being so close to Yes Farm, this is the most black people I've been around since being here, moving a year and a half ago. And there is something just powerful about seeing yourself, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, it's been it's been so important to to have that in my life and just understand the impact that this work can have on the youth that we're working mm. with and know that I could, you know, build a relationship with the youth in the community in this area and be like, you can show up at the farm mm. in whatever way mm. that works for you. And one of the things I like to talk about is that farming is not just working the land. It's also building that community, mm. problem solving and creativity needed mm. to adapt to like climate change and right. the different needs of community. And like, mm. I need teachers and organizers mm. and just leaders in the community to help make it all come together right? Um, just as much as I need the farming itself. Right, so, right. Yeah. Yeah, a farm in my mind is, and it's something that I am working to deconstruct, right? Because I see a white person on one of those vehicle things in the middle of Iowa, where I've never been, but the image is Iowa in my mind, yeah. just moving. And I know that that is, that is the most common depiction of what farming is like. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like that's what I talk about with the youth a lot. It's just I'm like, you know, 
there are farmers that look like you and me mm -hmm. and we can do this work in the way that makes sense to us. Like we don't have to be, you know, in a nuclear family mm -hmm. with three kids on a tractor mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the middle of the country, basically. Mm -hmm. And like, how can we make this work joyful and mm -hmm. like meaningful for us specifically? And I think it's also powerful to remind you too that like we have been doing this since right. time immemorial. Right. This is something that our cultures and communities have been doing forever. And that power was taken away from us. And it's acknowledged that it is super powerful for us mm. to steward the land. And so being able to bring it back into that context has been really cool because I think that, you know, there's a reason why there's not very many black farmers here. Right. You know, it's right. not just a, oh, like we don't like to farm. Exactly. You know? um, it's based in white supremacy and and the fact that it is super powerful for us as black people to be able to take care of ourselves and they don't want us to do that. Right. Another um, a friend of mine refers to the idea that, you know, black people don't do this, black people don't do that as generational lies, lies that we told ourselves out of protection because we weren't allowed to do those things. Um, and then over time, they can come to look like culture when mm -hmm. in truth, as you said, this is a reclaiming. We've we've been farmers. We've yeah. been in the fields. Yeah. What is your vision for Black Farmers Collective? Yeah, I love thinking about this. Um, you know, I think what I've talked a lot about with the team and uh, with the community is that I hope that at some point we can get to a point where we can buy our own land mm. and not necessarily as an individual organization, but maybe as a cooperative, we mm. can make sure that we have land and build infrastructure that's needed to you know, be many pieces of the food system at one mm. time. So not just be producers, but also be able to process food, be able to mm. deliver food, store food long-term. All of those things are really important for us to be able to feed ourselves year round and also make sure that we're able to make our own medicine and um, also teach you know, our communities how to do this work. And then also thinking about how Growing the food is important, but also having housing and a place mm. to cook the food and being able to access healthcare that's culturally relevant and mindful of and safe for black and brown people mm. to access is also just as important. So I'm hoping that whatever land that we are able to steward, that we can incorporate all those aspects into what we're doing and then also continue to train new black farmers and bring more people into this work and build mm. a strong food system that's very interconnected and interdependent on each other. And then also thinking about how we can continue to transfer more land to black and brown people mm. in this country and not necessarily have it need to be about farming itself, right. but also just have it be about being in connection with the land and having sovereignty mm. and having that choice to steward the land itself. Um, that yeah. is a beautiful vision. I'm very excited about it, yeah. You, yeah. you make me hopeful because I have a three-year-old son and in many ways just having a child means that you're optimistic, right? Otherwise, why would you have a child? But um, at the same time, I feel um, it's just so painful to look at what's happening um, in this country, in the world, and particularly the ways that you're identifying that all of these things are connected, right? It's not just about the food source, it's about healthcare, it's about housing. So to hear somebody with 
the vision, the passion, the energy. Um, it just it gives me so much hope. And I'd yeah. love if you could share a bit about your um, mentorship with Ray and how that has made a difference in your life. Yeah, oh, it's made a huge difference. Um, Ray has definitely instilled in me a lot of trust in uh, my creativity and my vision. And, you know, a lot of that comes from his experience in like 30 years of being a science teacher mm -hmm. in Seattle with high schoolers. And so I think like just meeting someone who is not a peer who like trusts young people and mm -hmm. can be in conversation with young people has allowed me to also understand how important it is to build community with not just people my age, mm, but people of all ages. Yeah, mm. the intergenerational component of this work is so important. And also the importance too of teaching people and, and passing on the torch. Mm. I think that's been a huge part of this mentorship is mm. um, seeing the way that he's mentored me has also allowed me to learn how to mentor and like be in community with the people around me so yeah which, which is in and of itself a very like social justice approach right because white supremacy will tell you like there can only be one and everybody's vying for that spot and we compete but this beautiful like synergy intergenerational connection right that at some point we all expire yeah. <laughs> we want to make sure that the knowledge is still there exactly and like I'm not trying to like gatekeep this knowledge. I hope that, you know, a whole new group of people can be way better than mm. me at this work. So, mm. and that makes me excited mm. and hopeful. All right, you can get back to the cool. farm. Thank you, appreciate you it. This is so powerful. <laughs> Should I unplug you can, this? Yeah, you can unplug and then raise in the hot seat. This episode is presented by Fleet Feet. Fleet Feet believes that running changes everything. We sell the shoes, apparel, and gear you need to get started. And we host fun runs, training groups, and events. Whether you're training for your first mile or your 50th marathon, we're here to run with you. Learn more at fleetfeet.com. After talking with Hannah, I sat with Ray. I would love if we could start by you sharing the mission of Black Farmers Collective. You know, our mission really for me, from my point of view, is, um, is to develop some black leadership on the land, you know, to have some inclusive spaces, but mm -hmm. to, to really elevate that leadership, to um, be able to be part of a local food system, mm -hmm. to, to start to create a, a piece of that for ourselves, to bring more people into that system. Um, and for me, uh, part of the mission really was to bring community into this mm. uh, and get the health benefits of mm. growing some of your own food. Mm. Obviously, eating better, you think, uh, you know, from mm. growing food and eating that, but there's, there's being outside, being with nature, understanding the connections, uh, stress relief of, mm. of being there, building community uh, around the growing of food, you know. So that's, I think, our mission is to create spaces that will allow that to happen. Mm. Did you grow up farming? How did you find you know, yourself I didn't, here? I didn't grow up. I grew, I grew up in Seattle. My dad's black and my mom's white. They moved from the East Coast. And I, I think I've always grown some things around the house. And mm. wherever I traveled, I would have a little garden. Mm. Uh, and so, and we knew folks that had farms and would visit them. So I have mm. an idea, had an idea about it. But, um, you know, I think my, my idea to try to help my community by 
by building spaces for people to do this growing sort of came out of this uh, combination of my career as a science teacher mm. and then starting to teach nutrition and understanding mm. how all, a lot of our health uh, issues come from nutrition and mm. all other lifestyle things. Uh, spending a lot of time in committees mm. and making reports and um, realizing what I really wanted to try to do is do something physical on the ground. That's how it really started. Mm. And you mentioned that, you know, in the minds of many people, farming, a farmer's a white person, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how is the work that you're doing hoping to deconstruct that idea? I think that's interesting, you know, we're, um, and maybe I'll just go back to education mm. as, you know, there for a while there, there's this thing of, well, studying, that was acting white, mm. right? And so in some ways, we've, we've you know, been acculturated to, mm. to think about things that might be very, very good for us, right, as, as not being something for us. Definitely. A lot of folks in this country, especially, uh, you know, my parents' generation and the generation before, did a lot of work to get off the land, mm. right? And there's a lot of pain about thinking about what farming was and slave-based economy in the United mm. States was. I think there's a lot of that. I, I don't want to do that. But I think now more and more uh, younger people are realizing that this, there are some great advantages to that, mm. right? To be able to, to have a job where you're connected to nature, connected to the land, you're a producer, right? right? Really the ultimate producer. And so how do you give folks opportunities to be able to, uh, to get into that? And part mm. of it is modeling it, right? Mm. Here we are, we're here, we've created the space, it's got your name on it, we mm. want you to come. I mean, that's one of the things that, that I, ha I thought that I could do was try to help create spaces, right? Mm. I'm a, I, am, I, I like to build things. And after some experience building smaller community garden spaces, had the opportunity um, with some other community members to apply to create this Yes Farm space. Mm. And so, um, that's something that now I've been working on for the last really five years. You said something really powerful about, you know, our ancestors did everything they could to get away from the land. And now here we are recognizing, or now we're reclaiming the land. Could you say a bit more about yeah, that? Yeah, well, and I think not only that is, is that part of the history that we're taught is, has been to minimize, mm. right, the contributions of black people in the United States, right? Mm. And so, you know, we're not taught that the country basically was fed by the people that already knew how to grow rice that mm. were brought over here. We are taught that there's this minimal sort of only labor mm. around cotton. We're not taught about mm. the, the genius that mm. was brought over here. My brain is firing. I'm thinking about, um, I forget the person's name, but who was one of the inventors of uh, peanut, uh, Right? right, peanuts, so, and, and I'm like, I remember learning that story when I was younger and thinking, because of the way that we're taught in school, how could a slave, how could somebody who came, you know, was, who's, has a ancestry of slavery be smart enough to come up with something like that? Right, yeah, so George Washington Carver, Carver yes. right, of course, you know, is an academic and mm -hmm. a researcher, mm -hmm. and I think we, are, we, we, we focus on the peanut, but the peanut just was, um, you know, a byproduct of a lot of the research that was done about how do we help our community, mm -hmm. you know, out of Tuskegee, how do we help our community regenerate some of this farmland that has been, you know, over farmed mm -hmm. uh, and the nutrients pulled out by cotton. And so it wasn't only about peanuts, it was about regenerative farming, it mm -hmm. was about compost. Again, we learned, oh, the guy made 150 
products out of peanuts, again, right. but that is just a side piece of the work. The peanuts were to help add nitrogen to the soil. Lots of genius Absolutely. throughout the history of the United States. In order to maintain this white supremacy, you can't, you can't talk about the good. Mm. And so we all learn about the bad, and then we feel that, well, I, I don't want to... I don't want to do that work. Mm, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, and it's hard work mm. being a farmer. I'm, you know, you, it's not for everybody. But I think if we could teach young people a little bit about it, get young people out there. I mean, the experiences that you learn growing something can be translated to so many other things. Mm. The science class in school, or I actually have something that excites me. Mm. Right, that I don't have to sit in class all the time. Mm. I can do something that I create and then I can build on my own knowledge and share that. Right. And what is your hope for the Black Farmers Collective? This is now, uh, you know, going on four or five years of a nonprofit organization. You know, my hope is that we can figure out how to make this sustainable mm. and move into the future. I think part of that is Yes Farm, and it's actually in the center of Seattle. It's at the intersection of a lot of different communities. Mm. It can really really serve as a, a, a real focal point for lots of um, community building and education in, in Seattle. Then we're leasing some land right now from King County. We're trying to set ourselves up to uh, be able to purchase some land and have real ownership. I think mm. when you have ownership, then you really can have a creativity about what you're doing mm. in the space. And you know, my hope is that the Black Farmers Collective becomes an organization that's active in the larger food system mm. food justice movement mm. um, as a producer as an educator as a space that people can come through and learn and stay or go off and do their thing and then i can just be emeritus and, <laughs> and eat fresh food <laughs> eat some fresh food eat good food can you just describe to me or um, explain what is food justice in the united states right we've really been separated from our food right mm. what we've We've created a situation where the people that grow our food are uh, lower second class, mm. you know, not even eligible for minimum wage, right? Mm. Um, we've separated that from the people in those products. So I think food justice is, is getting people closer to the production of that food, being able to get back to eating food that's better for us, right. not using food and the consumption of food as just a way to make money for corporations, right? Mm. And not everyone is going to grow all their own food and mm. not everyone can eat fresh vegetables all the time, right? right? And you understand we have a lot of people and so we need processed foods and things. But for me, food justice is getting more and more people to be able to eat better and better food. Thank you. You have Yes Farm and then there's another farm. Yes, we were able to sort of through our work with food justice and, mm. and, and meeting people put ourselves in a position to lease four acres mm. uh, from King County uh, and that small axe farm that's okay. right at the border between Redmond and Woodenville. Mm. Uh, and so we're in our uh, real second year of production out there. And so we have a farm manager and opportunity um, to grow more and more food there. Mm. And it's a large enough space so that we can create um, spaces for other folks to farm. Oh, wow. So if they want, uh, um, to try to grow some of their own traditional foods and, and mm. sell that. That's a model that we're trying to develop. Mm. You bring folks together, and mm. again, it's the Black Farmers Collective, so we're really looking at, really as a, a primarily supporting folks from the diaspora, mm. whether it's um, you know folks that were born here or folks that have immigrated. Mm. Um, 
um, to create a community there where farmers can share. Mm. I mean, we have a tractor, so you don't mm. need to buy a tractor. We can help you plow wow. your land, and then we can share uh, opportunities and folks that have a lot of farming experience can come in and farm, but we can help them, well, what is it like to grow in the Northwest, mm. right, as opposed to where you're from? What can you grow? How do you grow that? So that's, a, to me, another, uh, just a great opportunity to yeah. bring cultures together. I think especially African-American and African cultures have mm. been separated, mm. and there's, there's some mistrust and tension there, and yeah. so that's, this is another opportunity to get people together on the land working mm. together to try to build build more connections across that community. So let's say I wanted to start farming. Mm -hmm. How how would I get involved? Well, you know, as a, as an individual, let's say you don't have a lot of experience None. farming. <laughs> so what we first of all, you can come out and volunteer, mm. and so you can get some work done. You can see sort of how we do this. If you live close enough that you can visit regularly, you can have us, we have a community garden spot. Mm -hmm. So we'd love to have people come and learn how to grow and, and learn from each other in that community garden space. Mm -hmm. I think if, if someone got very, very interested in that, we actually have some of our farm crew are really interns and they're going through our uh, developing education program mm. about how to be a farmer and what it is what it is to farm so mm. you might then say wow I'd like to try to be an intern and actually mm. work and learn from some farmers you might possibly want to have a space out at small axe farm where you started doing some of your own farm work mm. versus the small axe farm work you know you may meet some other folks that you want to go cooperatively together and and use that as a launching pad to get some other farm mm. and create more and more you might get a little tired and say, look, I want to do more marketing. <laughs> I want to do value added, right? Mm. You, you, you know, I, I, I love to cook. Let me, mm. let me cook my own food that I grew and, and feed my community. So there's wow. many steps along the way. The food system is huge. Um, so I think that's a little bit of rambling about where you no, might well, want to go. No, well, I mean, it's great because five years, my farming journey starts today. Right, <laughs> so. exactly. And I think we're... Um, you know, I think Hannah mentioned it too, have a space where you could bring yourself, Yeah. right? How do we create a space that is not stifling yeah. to individuals and then is welcome to all? Yeah. And so that's not a necessarily easy thing right? Right. right. to work on. Um, how do we create a space over here that's accessible? We're mm. in the middle of a project trying to mm. uh, design and build an ADA access ramp so folks mm. can get from the sidewalk down to the farm. And so mm. that's, that's a whole another process. You wear so Lots many hats. Of, oh, it's been an interesting journey from science teacher, yeah. family guy, father, builder, giving myself a lot of opportunities to learn a lot, to work with with lots of different folks in different communities. And luckily, I'm, you know, I've had the privilege to have worked long enough to be able to mm. now spend a lot of time doing this. Mm. Well, thank you for your vision and for helping me and so many others rethink what farming is, mm. food justice, and, and also know that I can be part of it. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. We love to create a space where people feel that they can come down and visit and mm. see what's going on and get involved to the level that they, they would like to get involved mm. with. Yeah, definitely. Well, I am ready to farm. Hey, that's <laughs> great. Let's that's get great. out there. Maybe we should go on down, yeah. take a peek. Um, 
You'll get your hands dirty a little I'm bit. Ready. See I'm ready. See what's going on. You know, I think we didn't talk about this in the interview, but this intersection of unhoused folks and urban farming. Mm. And so we, we do have a lot of folks that use the space. Mm. Um, we discourage people from setting up a tent there, right? right? but otherwise using it. And some of it's even using the water. Mm. So when you know, we have really hot summer, mm. and so we have definitely found that our, mm. some of our water supply has been used for, mm -hmm. for bathing. Mm -hmm. Right, and you see some shampoo next to the cistern and some <laughs> yeah. pink water. You know that someone is is, is cleaner than they were, right? right because right. which is a blessing. Which <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. You know, I think originally there's this frustration about having a space and doing a lot of work, and you know this well, ownership piece, right? right. Now right. you say, wait a minute. Um, let's make sure these are filled when we leave, so somebody can not get dehydrated. Mm. I wouldn't want people to drink out of the cistern, but right. you know, at least right least having some services yeah yeah which i mean ultimately you're doing the job of the city right but that is that is also that's mutual aid that's collective action it is it is and i and i do need to put that together and yeah. send them a bill yes i think which, <laughs> yeah. which would be fun yeah. yeah and then here's a spot which is uh, really for the community gardens and we actually built them out of the plywood that was left over when sha boarded up the buildings oh wow so they you know four by eight sheet of plywood cut off a piece yeah throw it in the yard until so we collected them and made, made these beds these Very are four smart. years old yeah wow and like uh, literally the freeway the freeway can you tell me about the noise it's almost impossible to talk to think in this space as a guy's hammering right right <laughs> We knew that there was going to be some freeway noise, mm -hmm. and I think over the course of the time, you sort of get used to a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. We also chose um, some certain areas to be that are less noisy, mm -hmm. right, to try to set up for, for conversations and things like that. We also have the construction next to us, and that's definitely added a, another layer, really mm -hmm. to the point that we're spending less time here during the week mm -hmm. because of the construction noise. And that's only going to get worse as they start to work on the metal. And then modify, you know, modify what you're doing. I think um, you know, that new space we looked at down below is very loud. Right. And so that's that's then a piece of the environment that you have to try to figure out, well, how are you going to mitigate that? Is, is that the space that we try to do a greenhouse mm. to seal it off? Or is it just a space that we have less maintenance so you don't have to be there that much? Right. Right. Plant right. some things that are that, um, you know, will help us out. But again, you don't have to tend it as much. So, yeah, noise is a real issue here. Mm. We're, you know, we're in the middle of the city and there mm. are definitely a lot of environmental impacts. Mm. Um, um, we've tested the soil. And we've added a lot of new soil, which has helped dilute it. So the soil is pretty good. Mm. We've also tested the actual plants that may, maybe would oh. take up any of the heavy metals or, uh, and there's also petroleum fractions. Mm. And so the plants aren't taking up any of that. Oh, great. So, you know, you're not eating 100% of your meals off of here as well. Right. We do suggest that people wash them, right? Right. We were by a plot of land before that to me did not say farm. <laughs> it said like, just you know it's it's gone it's done but how do you see potential in um in this space well right i think that's a piece of of being able to take a, a look at something and see what it might be mm. yeah, that comes from experience of being places and seeing what someone else can do mm. and had the opportunity and the desire to travel and when i do that i oftentimes try to find an urban farm or farms to take a look at right to see what mm. people do so you get a vision 
mm. of, of, of what might be. And then practice of actually turning spaces into gardens, then you start to see it. Right. That's one of the things I wish we were able to give, give kids more mm. or anyone more experience with right. is seeing something other than where they're living mm. because then you have a vision of what something can be mm. and if you, you you see it and study it and like it you make them home and say wow there's only a few steps for me to get towards seeing that mm. I think that's for me so and you know a lot of years of building right right you know allows me to say yeah I'll do it and I don't know a little craziness to say <laughs> sure I'll do it yeah. You know, along with then the integrity of, of at least trying to make it work, yes. right? Because if you say you want to do it, then you you, you need to try to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you no, so you're much welcome. for this. Thanks tour. for coming down to the farm. This it's will really not be great... my last time. Well, and I think um, hope you come back. Yeah. Tell your friends. Yeah. You know, we have open days on Saturdays from ten to three. A volunteer, and you don't have to work too hard. You cool. Just come down and hang out if you want. <laughs> People cool. bring their kids. I would and they love do a little that. Work and run around and play. And then you know, if people want to get involved, then there's various levels all the way to having your own plot and trying to trying to grow some food for yourself and your community. Awesome. Thank Thanks. you so much, Ray. Great to see you. Yeah, it's been, it's been a pleasure. If you want to continue adventuring with me and dive deeper into this story, check out the show notes. There, you'll find links to the video series and an article I wrote about the themes of this episode. This podcast is hosted and reported by Allison Mariella Desir. That's me. My producer is Brooklyn Jamerson Flowers. The executive producer is Mark Baumgarten. Audio production from Bryce Y. Adolfson and Sarah E. Hall. And audio support from Rusty Bogal and Seth Halloran. You can subscribe to Out and Back wherever you listen. And if you like the show, please review us. It helps create excitement around a new show. And if you'd like to support the work we do at CrossCut, go to crosscut.com membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to on-demand programming from KCTS 9, Seattle's PBS station. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. Out and Back is a product of Cascade Public Media. Next time, I'm going rock climbing, which will definitely be new to me.